Are we off the record? Well, yeah, I, it's that. Uh, well, stop recording me. I'm gonna stop recording. recording. Welcome to episode 37 of Podcast X. I am your host, Ben Kendrick. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Keys. Hey, how's it going? I'm ready to roll roll in. What do they say? They say roll out. <laughs> maximize. Maximize, Sorry. that's right. <laughs> um, and then we are joined by a special guest, Kofi Aula. I feel like enthusiasm for this unpaid podcast is waning. Oh, <laughs> ouch! Um, all right, so this week we kind of this is gonna be kind of a weird week because it's gonna be sort of like part two of conversations that we had. We kind of started last week. So last week we previewed Rise of the Beasts and previewed the Flash. This week we're gonna do full spoiler reviews for each of those. We'll start with Rise of the Beasts. Um, so you're describing a podcast. Yeah, exactly. I'm describing a podcast. This is part two. But like, the, we'll do full spoiler reviews. We're going to start with Rise of the Beast because that's a movie you guys have had an opportunity to see at this point. And then we'll do full spoilers for The Flash. So you can, you know, if you're trying to avoid spoilers, you can come back to that after you've gotten an opportunity to see it here in the next couple of days. And if we have some time, we'll talk about some secret invasion impressions because the three of us have all seen the first couple episodes of that at least i think have you guys is it just you both have seen the first two episodes is that what you've seen or you've seen more um just the first two i think yeah yeah i've seen two yeah that's what i that's what i saw too okay um all right so yeah if we have time we'll we'll get some impressions of that and uh yeah we can just start uh start with rise of the beast we all kind of gave our reviews of it last week but just to kind of i guess remind people how each of us, I guess, kind of felt about the film. I wait. We. I don't. Uh, when did I even talk to you two last? What is going on here? Like, I feel like I'm being Mandela. Like, we did talk, we talk we, about? Yes, we talked we about. Talk Rise. Oh no, 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 no! You got it all wrong. Kofi and I hadn't seen it. We were going to see it the day yeah, after. On Thursday. That's right. Oh, I gave my yeah, impressions right. of that one, and then we talked yeah. the flash. But we did talk about the flash. We all had seen we, it. We all talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm. I apologize. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, so you guys are right. I just remember giving my impressions wow. of it because Gas we were joking light about X. On this bitch. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember I'd given my impressions of it because we were joking about what I would score it and stuff. So I apologize. So well, no, that's that's even better. So why don't you guys? You know, I don't know which you wants to start. Rob, you were a huge Beast Wars fan. Um, yeah. If you guys want to start, uh, Rob, you can maybe start us off. Tell us what you thought of this movie, and then we'll go over to Kofi, and then we can talk some spoilers. Okay. Like, uh, well, first of all, stuff. thank you. For, we had to talk, to hold you back, but I'm glad last week or whenever we recorded last, you did not s- spoil certain parts of this. Um, but look, uh, I have mixed feelings on this movie. Um, I think we, I think Kofi and I kind of outlined which ones we like, don't like last time. And for me, like, you know, the first one upon rewatch, I really enjoyed it. The third one, I thought they kind of nailed that formula of the action and visuals. And then the rest of them kind of suck, except for Bumblebee, which was a very different thing. And, um, I think I also suggested that my, my worry going into this one was that despite the amazing critical response, 
um, of Bumblebee, it didn't make money. It didn't have that many characters and therefore that's toy sales. So I thought the Hasbro of it all would interfere. We get this <laughs> craziness, which we kind of got um, with, with some, a lot of characters to sell toys, a lot of different characters, yeah. uh, which is good and bad. Um, but look, th- this essentially follows the kind of basic blueprint of the series um, you know, there's, there's a cosmic MacGuffin or galactic threat, uh, a young human lead, you know, happens to find yep. the hero bot. Um, has some military got, training. Yeah. Yeah. You got your Autobots and no matter what, you got your Autobots with Optimus and Bumblebee somehow, some way, because they, they, they sell toys. Um, but in this one, um, I like that it takes the focus on the, the human stuff from Bumblebee because that it's arguably the strongest human characters and storyline or most emotional human connections of the entire franchise uh, by far. It's almost – after you watch the prologue of the Maximals and then you meet Anthony Ramos and his family, it's like, whole, it's like a whole different movie. And it's like 20 minutes of him and like talking about being a veteran, taking his brother to the hospital. It's, 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 it's so well shot and executed. It's like what Stephen Cable Jr. did for Creed 2, which is what I was excited for. It's like, oh, what a great human story. And then Whiplash – we get what I think is a pretty mediocre Transformer story. And um, I think, it, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but t- two main reasons. One, I found it kind of boring, um, both in terms of what the stakes kind of were and how they kind of forced the characters together and uh, and how it's shot, to be honest. I, I felt like there was no weight in the action. Um, part of that is because it's, it's, it doesn't have the same sort of style and – the balance of frenetic craziness and that style like that Michael Bay kind of got closer towards it in Transformers 3 than I think lost it in the sequels. Uh, no, no, no. So I, 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 I felt – no, no, no. The, oh. There are action set pieces between Optimus – when Optimus breaks in the highway to take out Bone Crusher in the first movie to Ironhide and whatever, picking up the car to defend the humans. Like the, the action uh, – there's so much weight what to those little bits. Happening? And then most of the action with the uh, Transformers and 3 has that. The other part of it is that when they fire a weapon or do a thing, there's actual damage and repercussions in those movies. This one felt kind of goofy in that respect. And I think part of it too is also the enemies suck. These these Predacons I, I, and Scourge, um, and I will say Peter Dinklage voices Scourge better than he does that character in Destiny. That game Ben loves too much. Um, <laughs> That's so, That's so he does funny. a good job. He does a good that, job voicing uh, that character. But holy shit, genericvillains.com. I, I couldn't care less about these guys. And they had the chance by introducing the Maximals to give them even more screen time because of the Maximals, only two of them really speak. Rhinox and Cheetor are just there visually. And the other fan favorites from, from the show, whether it's Rat Trap or from me, Tigertron, whatever, or, or Dinobot, none of them are there. Um, but the bigger thing is the villains aren't there. We don't have the, the Predacons. We have these guys called the Terracons, which in the final fight turns into a bunch of basically the fucking things they fought in Infinity War. Like just a bunch of like four-legged things with the skinny things on the ground. Um, so I don't know. That and, and, and the, the MacGuffin of it all and the portal in the sky, it was just kind of – it was glazing over my eyes. And then – they take a, they make a, a real real boy bold choice with our uh, mirage and what happens and how they combine mirage and our protagonist in the third act to where I fucking clocked out. It is like the worst part of the first GI Joe movie when, <laughs> when, when uh, our two heroes suit up in these yeah, the Iron Man movie thing. Oh, kill me, Jesus! Um, but there's a thing that happens at the very end, which is very exciting for the future. I just wish it happened in a movie that wasn't that was great and not just for me just okay so uh, i'll leave it there it's interesting i feel like yeah i mean based on kofi's tweets and stuff like that i feel like you guys had a different experience with this so mm-hmm. kofi get in there Bring it. yeah uh, <laughs> i mean 
I think I disagree with everything that Rob just said. <laughs> it's okay to have like bad opinions. Listen, okay. Um, <laughs> first of all, like it, it's this movie is the G one Transformers that I've always wanted to see in a movie. Like G one Transformers cartoons are silly as shit. There's so much shit in this that like I was like. Michael, like, I think I use the example of when they get whatever his name is, what's his name, Jetfire, whatever the fucking cargo plane's name is, like, yeah. comes and picks them up. And I was just, this is what defines the difference in these two movies that what both Bumblebee and this movie get about Transformers that Michael Bay never fucking understood. Transformers is supposed to be silly as shit. It's not supposed to be some serious shit. That guy flies into Manhattan and, and is a cargo plane to pick up the Autobots and take them somewhere. If this was Michael Bay's Transformers, that sequence would have been at least five minutes long because it would have been him flying in a big ass fucking dick hard, sexy cargo plane. And oh, then yeah. it would have been like the U.S. military scramble every jet, unidentified yeah. flyer. And then we would have had a fucking whole Air Force commercials worth of jets rolling out in this plane having to like fucking fly in. It would never explain what happened with all those stealth bombers and shit. The plane would just land, but like we'd have all these sequences of big ass fucking military response to this. But this movie just had a cargo plane fly over Manhattan, land and transform and nobody gave a fuck. And like all the Transformers standing on a hill over a Peruvian city where there's a parade and anybody looking up would have clearly been like, yo, there's a big fucking thing up there. But like the fact that, but that was the same thing about G1. Like those same things are true of G1, but we don't waste time on that shit because who cares? Like this movie gets that it's about like robots just going pew pew and fighting. And <laughs> like the action in this, I think you're crazy. I think the action in this is actually discernible. Michael Bay's Transformers were so overwrought with so many pieces. They were everything I hated about the toys in the New Age. It's like 65 moves to transform this thing. And it's like, what? Like, <laughs> just give me. These are three move Transformers. They fucking transform well. Pete Davidson fucking kills it as Mirage. One of the best fucking characters I think I've seen in a movie this year. Which is hilarious because um, he was like the worst part of Fast X. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, like exactly. I've never enjoyed a pete davidson role more than i enjoyed this one and it's like yeah. the complete polar I, opposite of the stunt casting there as i said in a more coded way on the hopefully award-winning comic book <laughs> nation uh like and i'll say in a plain way here on podcast x like it's amazing how much i enjoyed as a person of color this transformers when like there are actual cultural like inclusionary things in it and not just horrible racist fucking stereotypes all throughout it and a hard on for the military, which is the definition of fucking Michael Bay's transformers. So right. like it was good. I liked a transformer set in Brooklyn, New York. I liked the protagonist. I actually gave a fuck about the human characters who weren't just like some suburban kid trying to get his fucking rocks off in the <laughs> Fox. Like there was like True. Noah's story and and Dominic Swans, who I thought I wish she had had more time to develop her character and some of the things they implied about her character, but I get why they shaved it down. But she was like actually a capable female protagonist, not just fucking ass cake slow shots and shit like that. And like, I liked like, uh, Noah's whole story. Um, there are a lot of things that are cheesy about this, but it's like nacho cheese in a good way. Like 
I hated G.I. Joe speed suits. I fucking thought that was the dumbest shit I'd ever seen in my life. But this, I liked. I like a guy getting to be a Transformer. This was like 80s boy fantasy fucking all the way. Do I want to, as I said on my show too, like, yeah, I get it. The Maximals weren't as advertised, but like by now, if you don't know by now, if you're going into a fucking movie, and especially like a franchise universe movie, and there is rise of the title, you should know you're getting five fucking minutes of whatever that <laughs> thing is that's rising, like in the third act, or maybe even at the very end, right? Like, just let's just go over it a couple times. Like, okay, like, uh, like what was it? Uh, rise of Skywalker. How much time is actually a fucking Skywalker in there where that rises? It's in the last fucking five minutes, right? Um, rise of Cobra. Right? Like, go back to G.I. Joe. Yeah, it's all about Cobra becoming Cobra at the very fucking end. Like, it's... (laughs) If you hear Rise, like, by now, you should know that shit's not gonna be, like, a whole bunch of the whatever you're coming to see. So, I wasn't surprised by that. Um, But I thought, like, the design of the Maximals was dope as shit as more futuristic Transformers. And I I mean, that was kind of the whole thing about the Terracons, where they were just more butch fucking Decepticons, right? So I didn't mean that. I didn't mind that. And Scourge was kind of like, he was a freaky villain and Peter Dinklage did a good job. But like, I mean, all Transformers villains are just who the fuck knows, right? You can't tell your bone crusher from your bone breakers. Like, who knows? But uh, I I thought it was stupid in all the right ways. And like, but a fun kind of Transformers G1 adventure. And yeah, I, I liked the whole, like, I mean, as cheesy as it was, you know, till all are one, I liked how they recycled shit from the other movies and still made it kind of like cool. It, it was, it was, it was good. It was a good time. And you know what? It's, it's like, stop smoking that stuff. Um, we, <laughs> it's basically like, it's basically, it's just like, a fucking oh man it's just like this year we're eating good like i haven't hated any real franchise movie since quantum mania right like john wick is hitting and this was a good trans this was better than i expected from a transformers movie experience i never really got all high on bumblebee like everybody else i thought it was good i thought it was entertaining but like i wasn't really high on it but this movie made me fucking believe and how I can't believe you Rob keys of all people don't love this. They mean they, like a thing where you have Coleman Domingo as fucking Unicron. You're playing Unicron's music from the 1980 movie. When you open this movie, look, I, I, like the, fuck. I, I like the idea that they finally personified that. And it wasn't just like object in space. It was like a character giving orders. But the, the problem is it's, it's all the in between. Cause like they're not like ultimately scourge and all of them. And then the army at the end, they're not even fighting Transformers. It's like a couple of Autobots, and they throw in Wheeljack halfway through the movie out of nowhere, which is another G1. That's nice to see Wheeljack, but that was fucking weird. Um, just So the, the fight of Scourge, his, his right hand, left hand, and then the army, they're not even fucking Transformers. They're just generic thing with superpowered armor because Unicron. And where they were fighting is even worse. It's like they're fighting in nowhere land. It might as well be the fucking planet from Fantastic Four, the new shit one, or the, the, the fucking Atlanta fields from Infinity War. It's it just there was no aesthetic or anything. It was just lifeless enemies in a lifeless CG backdrop. They were and I just robots fighting robots. Who the fuck? No, cares, no, no. Man? It's all it's all oh, it's it's asshole Optimus and a couple of the guys we know and half the Maximals fighting 
fucking nothingness in nowhere land. That's how I felt. Uh, so it was hard to kind of get into it except for Mirage and our protagonist and Mirage trying to, trying to make a sacrifice play, which speaks to the stakes where despite how much damage he took and turning <laughs> Ramos into fucking Superboy, And then, and then he's, he's totally back fine at the end of the movie. So I, it, I just, these things, these decisions just didn't work for me. Uh, the emotional bits kind of did with the humans and the Mirage bits did, uh, to follow up when you guys were saying Pete Davidson, that, that was surprisingly good. Um, but the, the other stuff just didn't work. I felt it was kind of a wasted opportunity, e- even for what the the characters they chose, the location they chose. I feel like they didn't take advantage of it, and to me, that's a shame. So that's why it didn't work for me. Well, we're gonna do just we're gonna agree to disagree. I thought it was a great action adventure movie, more so than just. I think it was more coherent than just about any one of the Transformers movies I've seen because. Yeah, I mean, you, you put this up against like Age of Extinction, okay? Like, well, please. This, that's a different. That, like, that's please. you know my feelings like, in those shithole films. But like, <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, like, Age of Extinction is kind of the same thing, right? Like, new threat, Transformers get new allies who have been hidden on Earth all this time. Yeah. I'm with you in that. I think this is in between those and Bumblebee. That, that's where I'm at. I'm not saying this is bad. I'm just saying to me, overall, it's okay. Because the good parts of the human characters in Mirage outweigh the rest of it, which I thought was just weak and stupid, just for me. But but I do think there's enough here to kind of get me excited, even without the tag at the end. Like there's enough here to be like, okay, I kind of want to see them keep going. And I will say this: we like we talked about the, and I know you like the action. The action bits I kind of liked were like the in disguise action scenes in the city, like when Mirage is doing the chase and getting away and uses the power. And then we never see that power again the rest of the movie, which is a waste. But it, that stuff was cool when they were doing actual like transformer shit in town a little bit, and then they kind of just forget. No, he that. he uses <laughs> it again when he's fighting Scourge at the end. Yeah, he does jump. Uh, does like he? he? There's like a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh he yes, gets, yes, yes, he yes, right. he, like, on that platform that thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah. right. You're right. No, I mean, I liked. I thought. I think where we disagree is I think that this actually had the most in like. I enjoyed the Transformers to Transformers bits of this movie the best than I than I ever have in any other hmm. movie. Like, yeah, Bumblebee has like great tran like the first Transformers and Bumblebee have like the great one on one human bonding with a Transformer action the or, or yeah. uh, drama the best. But like in terms of Transformers dealing with other Transformers, I thought this was by far like my most like the most favorite. I mean, I believed in the relationships between like, I believed that Optimus Primal really gives a fuck about air razor and like what happens to her and like, and that it fucks him up or, uh, his predecessor, um, well, primal talking down or being kind of concerned for Optimus, given like the time travel discrepancy and like the kind of hero he is at this point, was kind of cool. I think the benefit there is like they had they have a couple hero characters who get more dialogue with other hero characters for the first time, right? Two factions of heroes. But the sacrifice there is like we have no Decepticons, so there's no villains talking. And outside of Scourge talking toward giant ball of light inside of Unicron, right? There is no villain communication at all. And, and because there's no Predacons, it's just these Terracon things, right? Which are like essentially insects coming off of Unicron. Yeah, those little fucking yeah. nothings. Yeah, so uh, that's, that's kind of the trade-off. I almost wish we had like – a straight up war. Like, let us have the the thing. The thing I said to you guys fifteen years ago, where I'm like, "Give me the thirty minutes of these fucking characters sitting around the table and <laughs> doing their shit, and then show me the villains of the same thing, and then I'm figure it out." Uh, with the, the the background being some human populous area or something, so we could feel the size and weight of these things. But um, well, it's gonna yeah. be it just got now. part of it. 
I mean, well, stakes are up there now. It's going to be interesting because oh, we yeah. have villains aplenty now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's kind of funny to me that the, the you know, we, we've been sort of alluding to it, but the like G.I. Joe tag, you know, sort of like bait and switch with Sector 7. And then it's like it turns out it's G.I. Joe at the end. It is kind of interesting to me that they're like mashing these two universes together at this point, because one of the things that I liked about this movie, and I think I said this previously, and it's it seems kind of like what both of you are saying a bit is it felt the most like a cartoon because there are very few human characters in it. And that was actually kind of nice. It's like you could have Optimus Prime having a conversation with Mirage, you know, an RC about what to do. And that's like what would happen in the cartoon. And like Spike would be there, you know, maybe with like another human or something. I specifically think about kind of where they're heading towards like the final battle. And it's like, they're, you know, on this, I don't know, kind of like terrorist Mayan ruin or something like that. And it's like Optimus and Optimus primal are kind of having a discussion about like what they're going to do. And the camera's panning around and it's like five, you know, five or six transformers and two humans just kind of standing in the middle of them, you know, like they're part of it, but they're not, it's not like, okay, here, you know, now we're going to cut to all the commandos and we're going to cut to what these people are doing over here. And then we're going to cut to the human villains that are, you know, helping the Decepticons for some stupid reason. It feels like it allowed the Transformers to, you know, to have conversations, which was actually kind of nice and not just like stupid conversations, but the kind of conversations they would have, like you were alluding to the, you know, primal kind of talking to air razor and being like this Optimus prime is kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> like he's not, he's not the guy yet that we, you know, we've revered and like I was named after and everything. Um, like I, I liked that, but the GI Joe of it all is kind of interesting from that standpoint, because I mean, you're creating a dynamic that's somewhat similar potentially to what you had in like the Bay movies, which was this heavy military presence that they were always kind of shoving in there. And it, I mean, it made sense to some extent, but I'm curious to see what that looks like, because I I think one of the things this got right was the camaraderie of a transformers team in a way that maybe the other ones haven't quite, haven't quite captured, but, um, but there was some stupid transformers drama in there too. I mean, they kill two transformers in this movie and resurrect both of them, which is only one that they don't, I mean, Air Razor doesn't come back. But. Fuck that. Bumblebee, greatest comeback resurrection of all time. <laughs> fucking LL I mean, Cool J. No, I'm saying not yes. well. He I mean, fucking, it was very you good. know, people, I got stupid. My theater and me, we all got, I knew it was cheesy, but that's the power of a G1 cartoon. It was cheesy as shit, but it was yeah. nacho cheese. And when I saw Bumblebee <laughs> come back, I was just kind of in my seat like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck well, up. It, not, not just the music. <laughs> the needle drop is dope, uh, and they play it right after Optimus is like fucking angry as he's ever been in the franchise. But the scene where he's dropping out of the plane, doing like the shooting of all the drones in the air, it was like a cool ass sequence too. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not hating on like the comeback. I just, I mean, but then so they kill him and they lay There's him no on stakes, a bed. That's the problem. They, well, right. So that's it. I mean, they lay him on a bed of energon that then gets reactivated by Unicron appearing and like. You know, I mean, you just you're waiting for that to happen because, like, how are they going to leave Bumblebee dead? But I get it because they wanted to sell Optimus's like an additional layer of Optimus's desperation to get them back to Cybertron. Like, you know, he thought he could maybe resurrect Bumblebee there. I I don't think that's that deep. I think everybody had seen Bumblebee and it was a great way to 
focus on Mirage and like other yeah, bunch of characters. Fair. Yeah, that's because there's not enough room for Bumblebee and Mirage. Notice that Bay B come in and they fucking slaughtered Mirage. So you know. Yeah. Well, that's a, and so I mean yeah. that's the other one that they didn't kill Mirage and then resurrect him in the post credit scene, so mid credit <laughs> scene. So it's kind of like you know, which I'm glad for because I liked that character. So I mean, I'm glad that you know they might do something more with him, but but it was kind of like you know what like what is the point of and now we've in this franchise we've also killed optimus and resurrected him like it does feel a little bit like there's some cheap cheap yeah shit why, don't, why, why don't they bring back the ones that matter like iron <laughs> robots dude they're fucking robots come on now it's not, it's not we're not talking about I banishing know, human know, souls to hell like they I rebuild know. and that's like that's the power of a robot you yeah know? no i mean I, I definitely i know it's like overthinking it but it just after the second death they kind of came back i was like all right guys i mean if you're gonna kill people like leave a few of them dead but um but no i mean i you know like i, did. I think the maximals was- i mean the maximals took straight l's man they're fine yeah, yeah. everything's yeah. everything is as it should be Jesus, didn't even get to transform in this movie <laughs> <laughs> Does that, yeah, yeah I mean, that's crazy scene. That is kind of funny because I'm sure there's an Air Razor toy for Rise of the Beast. Right? There is. I debuted it on ScreenRant.com. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a waste. But uh, I, I, uh, I imagine they'll just flesh out that roster in the next one, right? So there's a lot of characters yeah, missing. Sure. So. Yeah. I mean, by the time yeah, but they're I mean, all I like, you know. I got it. The whole deep cover thing that they were doing, I get why they were just fucking animals at that point. Yeah. Right, so, okay. Okay. Let's talk about that because the prologue is set on a different planet, presumably, or is it? earth from the future i can't tell but they're like essentially basing themselves off earth like animals on the planet except for like 35 times larger whatever the fuck uh that was a little weird but um what i was gonna say is i I, when it comes to the the non-maximals i I agree with kobe i kind of like how kind of the robotic half animal design they kind of kept that and how they became sort of like myths uh in hiding over the years which is very cool Uh, when it comes to the Autobot designs, um, that's the only real faction of Transformers characters there are in this whole movie um, that turn into things, right? Vehicles or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I'm still annoyed well, to shit. The Terracons all had vehicular forms, right? I, I, yeah. I think Scourge and the main two did. Scourge is a, yeah. do, like is a, is a truck, again. Like, what a, I mean, I can't count the amount of times that... Just for that one intro, it doesn't really do that, yeah. Yeah. There's a truck, a sports car, and some kind of maintenance vehicle, it's, I think. Yeah, it looks like a dump truck or, or a construction like vehicle that, yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, inter- when they transform into their more Cybertronian design, I, I, the aesthetic is so different from character to character. You have like um, more modern Bumblebee face. You have like the Optimus, which they tried to add the mask G1 style. But then you yeah. have the airplane, I guess RC as well, who have like super humanoid faces, which is so weird. I wish they kind of stuck to one sort of aesthetic across the board on them. Because uh, it reminds me of John Goodman's character, uh, Hound. Oh, yeah. you know, ben? Hound. Is it yeah. Hound? Who yeah, just like Hound. out of nowhere is like smoking a cigar has a completely humanoid face. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, why don't they just think? Like, yeah, he's like it's smoking so a part of his body or something. That shit was so weird. Yeah. That's what the airplane guy reminded me of because he had the big mustache and was coughing yeah. and dropping bits everywhere. He's basically the same character as Hound. But um, yeah. Jetfire yeah. in the fucking second film. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I really I thought they were going to. I thought that was going to be Jetfire. I was surprised that they like introduced a different busted. Kind of, you know, cargo plane. This ain't the I mean, Bay films. He came, 
Yeah. Shanae when he came in, though, I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. You know, like, oh, it's Jetfire. Like, interesting to see, like, maybe a slightly less, like, you know, grizzled and pissed off Jetfire or something. But then it's just like, oh, it's another dude. But um, what is your what is your read on these as far as being like prequels versus spinoffs in a different unit? Because I know, like, I kind of like got in a bit of a like spat on Twitter about this because like <laughs> deep Bone Aventura has like not come out and said, this is a, a reboot. Like he said before it was kind of like, bro, it's you know, X-Men first class. Why do you do this to yourself, bro? Like, it's, it's X-Men first class, which means we'll never yeah, get yeah. a clear answer. It kind of is the same thing, but, but it kind of isn't. And now yeah. they threw in time travel. So everything can, I, I thought that they were going to do the whole sector seven thing at the end to tie it all back to base films and say, like because of time travel, this is different, but it's still going to be loosely the same. And or it's just like where we just or you could just DC the whole thing and just say it's a fucking spaghetti bowl, right? One of the one in one version, you go the Bay route, you know, and in another version, you go this Bumblebee continuity route. Like, and yeah, just two different timelines of Transformers shit. That's kind of that's kind of how I took it. It just seems like it is whatever it's going to be. Like if there's an opportunity it's to tie it back to the Bay yeah, because uh, there were people that were like, no, this is a complete reboot. And I was like, that's like no one with, with the exception of like, no, it's not. So we know this is a, this is in the same canon as Bumblebee very clearly. And Bumblebee introduced the young version of John Turturro's character in Sector 7, yeah. right? Am I, yeah. yeah, so yeah, the, yeah right. it, if you actually follow the canonical events and timeline, they broke it. But it's for the better because yeah. I'm just trying to fix it going forward. And but like Kofi said, it, as soon as you do time travel – they have every out you can imagine. It's like the multiverse of Marvel and DC. It's like, ah, fuck it. We're going to do whatever makes sense right now. It's like, whatever James Gunn is doing is what they're trying to do right here. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's it sucks that they don't care and plan ahead. But, you know, this is the reality we live in with these, like, IP-based, heavy yeah. merchandised things. Um, can we talk about the G.I. Joe of it all more? Um, that normally would be, like, mega hype. Um but it comes like 13 minutes after seeing uh, our hero suit up in the acceleration suit thing. You know what I mean? I'm so fucking scared that they are going to have goofball ass GI Joes. Um, part of me is like, what do you fucking mean? Like more so than the two times we had GI Joe movies, because (laughs) I would define both of those as goofball ass things. But like fucking stupid as shit, the first one like that. Oh, that that was so dumb at the end. The second one was just a bad movie, but the the, the first one, that those suits, just like oh my god, what were they thinking? Yeah, but you'd be you go back and you and you watch those, and everybody had the same thought. At least this would have been cool if it was like some Transformers type shit. That's what we all thought back then. Now it's going to be some Transformers type <sighs> shit, and I feel like you're still not happy. Do you know this reminded like, me of? How can you be happy, man? Every time we see a person suit up like that, unless they're Tony Stark or Don Cheadle, like fucking. I didn't mind it. I thought it. I I did not mind the ending of this movie. I thought that him and Mirage merging and doing another kind of twist on the whole transforming concept was kind of dope, actually. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, it also reminded me of Shane Black's and, and, Predators and, or whatever the fuck. Remember the end of that movie? Yes, that this Predator killing suit. Oh my yeah. god. No, stop it. (laughs) Dude, I mean, or or we could go like the Wolverine and have like a fucking Silver Samurai robot. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, true. That was weird. All kinds of stupid shit that can happen. But 
I appreciated that Noah didn't like put on a suit and was an instant transformer killer. Like they kept it realistic. Like he fought smart. Like he, I was actually talking about this. Like I was like, I was like got much more respect for it when he realized he could only do so much in that suit. And he was like sliding around and fucking cutting dudes, Achilles tendon and like helping Optimus put the smack down on him. Like that's what I liked about it. They didn't like, put a suit on him and then he fucking killed the like the villain or some shit he was yeah, still it, just it a little fucking human dude using what like what he could do to just help out and do his little part so yeah that's why I, I, I respected it but they didn't they didn't make him op which is nice it actually reminded me of yeah, this is a weird deep pull have you guys ever played that game called vanquish where it's like you're in a suit oh, yeah, like that and like you're like vanquish, sliding yeah. with the jets back Rocket. and forth it was very much yeah. like that it was just pretty cool yeah. action but uh yeah, I yeah, I kind of I I kind of dug the Mega Man type suit. Like at the I I mean it it is kind of goofy. There's a precedent for it in like you know in the comics and the cartoon and everything. But I you know what I did like about it is it did feel like it offered something different in a like in a Transformers climax battle. Like so many of the other ones, it's just like okay, there's a giant fight between Optimus and some other big Transformer. And there's a bunch of like the other guys kind of taking out the little guys. Like I sort of did like the dynamic of him sort of rocket jetting around in the battle and kind of, you know, assisting and, and like, you know, sliding in when Optimus was in need of some help. And I don't know, it just kind of mixed it up a little bit, even though it was sort of a ridiculous, you know, thing overall, it felt at least there was, they were trying to do something different, but. Yeah, I love, I love these modern movies where we're like, if the two robots had been fighting, that I can respect. But when the guy put on a suit, that shit is ridiculous. Yeah, fuck it, fuck it. Yeah, what is totally? It? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole end of the movie is just kind of insane anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, you know, I dug it. I dug it. I think you may have actually liked the movie the most out of all of us, though, Kofi. I, I mean, clearly, I did. But I think it was because it was black Transformers and, and you guys just could yes. enjoy that. This is racist. Well, well, my favorite part is no, the human think, characters. I, hey, whoa, it's whoa, all whoa, the fucking I Transformers. Say, <laughs> I didn't say you could. it was racist. I don't think it's racist if you don't enjoy black Transformers. But I think – Whoa, whoa. Take this that. One, yeah. I don't think that's racist if you don't enjoy black Transformers. I think if, it just means like it wasn't your your cup of tea Transformers. Like, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know if I you'll like the, the like, blackening. You can go watch all the slasher films you want, but I don't know if you'll like the blackening as much. You know what I mean? Those are the <laughs> times we live in. That is not <laughs> what is I happening. <laughs> I dug the, uh, I, I mean, I, I dug all the, like, the New York of it all and a lot of the hip-hop, you know, kind of oh, like, oh, soundtrack and stuff. No, I did. I mean, a lot of that stuff was stuff I grew up listening to. So that's the movie. Uh, they yeah. should have stayed in New York. Fuck this green field. Like, that, that's when it got shit. It was like the first hey, act take was it South only- America, Poppy. It was Peru. Yeah, got to get but, those. Uh, yeah, South America. It's fine in Peru, but that the whole from the the end of the second act onward, they are just in the field. That's the movie. There's nothing. Yeah. There's you know what I mean. So that's the annoying shit. Anyways, yeah. Fuck. I get. I mean, I yeah. I don't disagree with that. I think the, the, like a lot of the New York stuff was some of the most fun though. Like you were talking about the Mirage scene with the cops. Like I I did think that was that was quite fun and. A good introduction, and even the battle outside of the uh, of the museum was—I don't know—that felt not. I don't know. It just felt a little bit more intimate than you know the thing at the end where they're just like wrecking all these yeah. creatures. I mean, I just disagreed about the action. I think this one had good action. Yeah. Like, I actually think they did a good job like scaling the humans and transformers, 
keeping everything visually coherent so I can yeah, see. Yeah, for sure. Making the battles, like, make fucking sense. The Transformers actually, like, fought together and it made sense and shit. Yeah. Like, and there were some really cool. I like the highway escape thing where they are going down the mountain and everyone, like, half yeah. the Transformers are sliding like down the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I yeah, like yeah. the fucking shot with a missile through the car. That yeah, that's cool. Yeah, wow. RC was cool so too. Was like, like I, yeah. it was a good, there was, it was a good group of Transformers for sure. Who played? Uh, was it? Uh, was it? My, was it fucking Werewolf by Night? Was he the guy? Was he the uh, Volkswagen van? Wheeljack. Was, uh, Wheeljack uh, was uh, Danny Torres from from Ted Lasso. Or was he? Was that dude? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because he was at the premiere. Yeah, okay. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, right. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see it now. I, I get that now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, he was good. Yeah, man. I mean, I would spend more time with some of these Transformers for sure. Pretty like voice cast when you actually like look at some of the people. I mean, like Ron yeah. Perlman as Optimus Primal. You have Michelle Yeoh as Air Razor, which is why they kill that character because they probably can't afford her after like the resurgence no. that she's having now and stuff. No, she was Peter great. Man. She was. She a did cool, a lot. She characters. did a lot in this movie. Yeah, she did a lot of lines. But yeah, uh, oh, she's one of the three main. Promo's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the funniest shit is Lauren Velez from like Dexter fame. Like she's having a she's having a moment this summer. Yeah, back to back. Hell's yeah. 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 yeah she's, she's awesome. She's great in that, and then obviously like Spider Verse, and then you know Michael Kelly coming in at the end, who didn't even know that he was a GI Joe when they were first recording that scene, according to the. Uh, that interview they did with Entertainment Weekly or whoever it was. Maybe a variety. Yeah, they had a they I think these Rama said they got it three weeks before fucking they could digitally put that on there like three weeks before the film came out. Yeah. Like is when they finally got all the uh the uh yeah, approvals needed because yeah, it probably would have been just fucking section seven or some lazy shit like that. I think they said that, that that's basically how they set it up was like if the, if it wasn't gonna be G.I. Joe, it would have been Sector Seven. And then you know, they got the approval and they like on the day of shooting, they told him and he, I guess he thought he was being like pranked or something like that. Cause he's apparently like, just like a big transformers and, and GI Joe, like eighties cartoon fan and stuff. So, <laughs> um, but I mean, that's good. Cool. You know, like, honestly, we've been waiting for them to do something like that GI Joe team up. So, you know, fuck it. If they're going to do it now, like I'm here for it. I just, I just hope it doesn't kind of take them off the rails of like, where we're just dealing with all these like humans that are trying to like fit into the plot. Fuck and stuff that. Like did. We did all this dumb shit. We did Transformers fighting with a real military unit. We did G.I. Joe as some stupid Transformers type shit. We did G.I. Yeah, Joe yeah. as a realistic quote unquote military movie. All of it sucked more than the, yeah. what I think this movie's doing. Go full 80s with it. Like, I want G.I. Joe using pew pew lasers. Like, in addition to bullets, I want them to have that fucking crazy weaponry. I want them to be yeah. like, now that they're dealing with aliens, I want them to have like be on that level, some kind of slightly comic booky shit. I want to see Snake Eyes riding Optimus Prime and cutting a bunch of shit. I want to <laughs> see fucking Duke in a goddamn Transformer suit. <laughs> Like, uh, I want to see it all. No, oh, God. No Transformer suits. The this is all like, happening, Rob. This no, no, is no. all happening. Uh, give me, like, <laughs> fucking 80s it. Commando, but you're right. Switch the gun to a big fucking laser, and then, then you're good to go. But, uh, 
straight up take the designs from the 80s cartoon, but god damn it, no more like parts of Transformers turning into fucking smaller things. This is not even oh, I can go on forever with my gripes with the fucking logic. But that's just from the cartoons. <laughs> like they've done that before, like mm, in the comics. Yeah. I know, but I'm following all, the movies here. It's but yeah, canon, yeah. Rob. It's canon. Everything's canon. canon. I do think the idea that at the end of that movie when they show, you know, they do the G.I. Joe reveal and everything and you see the like the warehouse behind him or the hangar behind him and you see there's like alien tech and shit in there. Like it actually makes a ton of sense when you think about it that it would be like Cybertronian tech that they would be using to like make those G.I. Joe, those crazy G.I. Joe vehicles we had. You know, when we were kids, like, I had the one that was, like, the sand crawl. you know, it was, like, a Jawa sand crawler or something, almost. Wait, 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 with one of the fucking four treads and the rockets in the back? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had that one, too! That was, yeah. my uncle got me that. Oh, that was fucking dope. Yeah, I forget, it was, like, um, sand something. But, but you know what, like, dude, but but all their no, vehicles like, were based on uh, real-world yeah, things, sand, though. Yeah, it was Sam, dude, I forget his name, but he was, yeah, that was, or was it Beachhead's thing? I forget who Maybe. drove that shit. Yeah. It was tan color, had four big tracks. No, the sailor, the sailor. It was the sailor dude. What was the sailor dude's name? Uh, Beachhead had the green hat on. Who was the sailor? Yeah, there were so many GI Joes. I can't remember, but like, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like that those things would be able to like pop open and have all this crazy weaponry if it's their like base. No, hang on. on. I, so you want, you want the Cybertron aesthetic on the GI Joe vehicles? No, I just mean like if you had like a vehicle and then like. You know, Shipwreck. it could do some crazy. It could do some crazy transformer shit. Not like, not like where it's like you know ridiculous floating particles and stuff like they did later, or even the crazy, just tons of moving parts. But the idea that like a vehicle could, I don't know, do some of the crazy. Like if I remember correctly, that one like the side of it like opened up and stuff like came out, and it was almost like yeah, it kind cool of, like, shit. Warm. But I want it to be earth based. I mean, I get it, it can be more advanced, just given the nature of what we're talking about. I but feel I, like. I don't, I'm having deja vu like we talked about some shit like this on Screen Rant Underground once. But, I mean, I would like it to be part of the story that maybe what makes G.I. Joe actually G.I. Joe is whatever happens in this movie with the Transformers. And, yeah, the Transformers fucking naturally help them upgrade yeah. their shit to deal with more shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how they kind of solidify themselves as being G.I. Joe. Yeah. Part of that story. I'll give you the example. Like, fuck, I, we're in a war. Like, we did, we were, we're the most elite military unit on Earth. Like, what the fuck does that mean now? Yeah. Basically, agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. type shit. Like, you know, and then they ally with the Transformers, and, you know, it's not good at first, but then they build trust and they upgrade their tech. And that's G.I. Joe. Boom. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting. Uh, I like the idea of them being more powerful. I don't like the idea of them having goofy, f- super fucking fake shit and it, the reason is i get these vibes of the uh independence day sequel where they take the alien tech oh and turn yeah that was, shit. it's yeah, just stupid but but sure. they did this also remember my big complaint one of many for black adam is like the bad guy pmc group are not not flying helicopters they're flying like these hover bike things which don't look like they're from earth at all and it's like why it just looks so fucking fake and stupid base it on reality give them an apache helicopter but it looks badass and the rockets just do way more damage like we don't see that shit in theaters at all you don't see like fucking tanks with two giant cannons but that's cool but but show me a tank that glows and has all this weird cybertron pattern on the side or half transformed i don't want to see that because then it looks you know it's entirely cg and fake and shit and it just doesn't fit well yeah Um, no i mean you can't go too far with it it has to look like 
it basically has to look like that Metal Gear fucking four shit, right? Like yeah, there you go. A little more mech, a little more mech based. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Not too like, alien. Yeah, like that I mean, something cool. that's because I mean, really, you could do. I mean, oh Jesus Christ, we're spending way too much time on this. But here we go. <laughs> yeah, if we want to talk about it, like I mean, it's a chance to talk about what it is to have to fight a war when technology is making this jump, which is yes, we're using transformers, but it's, it's, it's a good metaphor for like AI and shit like that. And, and what kind of, which is the fucking terrifying thing that metal gear fucking solid four was really all about, right? Like corporations owning armies, privatization of army technology being applied to that and the fucking nightmare situation that that creates when you have these technologically advanced fucking armies owned, but like beholden to no fucking country. And like, what does that look like? And so if you have a force that's fighting that, cause that is the modern concern in our world. Like how do they keep up with that kind of level of shit? We're getting, when we're getting to ghost in the shell type shit, like, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's fucking, it, it's pretty, uh, there's a good way to tell that story using transformers as, as a metaphor. Right. I just, yeah. but like Rob says, I hope they, inv- they know that like what's cool about it besides the eighties thing is, is that on a deeper level, it's a story about like kind of the scary reality of like what it is to be like a military keeping up in these fucking crazy technologically advancing times. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense, especially with like, you know, like Cobra or something having stolen, you know, Cybertronian tech or something like it, you know, them having to like this sort of being this like arms race or something makes a lot of a lot of sense. I know Stephen Capel Jr. also said they were like wanting to maybe have them go into space and stuff, too, which I just sent you guys that picture. I had that uh, I had that crazy rocket ship, the Defiant or whatever, that massive place that they had as a kid where you it was like a space shuttle. It's gonna be oh, wow. hilarious if that's like just loaded up with transformers and like GI Joes or something. But it's gonna look like my closet as like an eight year old or something. But um, I, I see that with the picture of the first one, the mobile command center you sent. I, I didn't have yeah. this one. I had same color, had four treads, but it was like a, almost like an extended tank, and the back of it had the rocket thing which came out. Oh, um, this, I, I can't find this? it. Where is it? It's uh. Urban tan- assault was it? Urban assault vehicle or something? I'm looking at another thing that looks kind of like what you're describing. Yeah, it's funny though. Looking at this, I'm seeing multiple things. Like my, I actually had it. My grandmother's like three or four. Tread Ripper yeah. tank. Tread Check Ripper, a tread Ripper tank. I think like I think so. You see, when you look at that mobile command center thing, the way that thing like folds out and things like popped out. That's why I was kind of like that would make sense as like Cybertronian tech or something. Yeah. Oh, no, I've seen this one too, Kofi. This is, this is not the one. So the one I had had four treads. They look more like traditional tank treads and because there were two in the front and the, the second section in the back with two more. And there was the whole back of it, the roof would lift up and it had like Scud-style missiles, like big-ass rockets in the back. And the whole thing was tan in color. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll keep I'm Here's the one I was thinking about. I had this one. This was my this is great. This is great podcasting. It's, great it's just us. It's like us oh, just sharing pictures oh, of toys. Hell's yeah. <laughs> the, cobra, the Cobra Hiss was my favorite. Ooh, the Cobra Hiss was dope. Yeah, that was a cool one. Yeah, that was my favorite. That's the one I was envisioning. Did you guys see that one? It was kind of gray. It, it looked like a bike, but the front and back wheels were like steamroller wheels, and they, they could go up and down. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, it was kind of gray in color. I had a little laser gun in the front. Yeah, yeah, right there. Panther too. 
Was it the battle Who tank? Was the dude that was in G.I. Joe, the movie that was like the Brawler actual tank. like uh, serpent dude? Sergeant Serp- Slaughter? Or Serpentor. Serpentor, that's right. That's right. Dude, dude I, you don't I, remember I the trials Serpentor. of Serpentor? Like when Cobra had to make Serpentor out of all these like world dictators and they kept stealing yeah. DNA from all of them? That was like the biggest shit in kids' entertainment since uh, the fucking Thundercats trials of Lionel. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I was there for all of those. Those were all five part, like five yeah. part epics that I was fucking. And then, I mean, that led into my the fucking obsession of X Men, the Dark Phoenix Saga, and the Phoenix Saga that went oh, to the Dark yeah, Phoenix yeah. Saga. Oh man, hmm. that was a point. You're right about this, TV. man. I'm looking at like the stuff for Serpentor, and it was like. Because Sun, it's on the Wikipedia page, it's talking about how they like tried to infuse him, or they couldn't get a hold of Sun Zhu's DNA and stuff. Yeah, like, it was crazy. It's, yeah, it was yeah, nuts, so dude. Funny. dude. It was epic. <laughs> G.I. was so I'm, fucking epic. Yeah. Dude, Supernatural, yeah. like, yeah, oh my god. And G.I. Joe, the movie, that shit, that shit, yeah, I can't believe, God bless cocaine. <laughs> God bless cocaine, <laughs> because if not for cocaine, G.I. Joe the movie and Transformers no, none of this stuff, would none of not this stuff be would be what yeah. they are, which somebody was like, we can't tell a story to kids. The world's too real, man. We got to tell them what it is. Your heroes die. It's like some straight up Gen X shit. Like your fucking yeah. heroes are going to die, bro. Like, like every one of the major characters we're like we love gets either horribly maimed yeah. or killed in like these movies. Like you went to go have a good time. It's like Duke Optimus Prime. What is the dead. fuck? Yeah. Optimus Prime gets fucking shanked and fucking yeah. stabbed. And you're like, what the fuck is happening to my childhood? And they were just uh, like, yeah, they go to a fucking planet of cannibal goddamn piranha transformers that are trying yeah, not to get right. eaten alive like it's fucking nuts These, like, and all dudes of this with, like, to take multiple on faces and shit and all yeah. of this to take on a planet eating thing that is going to come and consume and horribly murders and ma- they make you watch it eating they show you its bowels if as it's consuming <laughs> life and you're like what the no. fuck is happening they watch you melt down horribly screaming transformers and, and like I, I'm still fucking traumatized by this movie, and then like Orson Welles doing ASMR up in your ear and shit. Like it, it's it's pretty it's pretty, and they take it all they take that shit all the way to the wire. Like Transformers the movie, I mean it's literally they tell you they're like only when I'll be able to open this thing is like in our darkest hour. And it's literally like everybody's about to be murdered and like horribly killed. And then he's like, oh shit, oh here we go. You got the touch. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And then it's just like glam rock, baby. Oh man. Oh, man. God yeah. bless cocaine for Transformers the movie. <laughs> what were we talking about um, again on this podcast? I don't know. I mean, you know, how, how much we love cocaine and know our childhoods to it. Uh, no, I don't the, think uh, any of us actually love cocaine, which is the which is the horribly ironic <laughs> part. But we yeah. do love all these movies. Yeah. That's um, – yeah. Okay. Anything else we want to say? So do you guys want to jump over to The Flash? Speaking of cocaine and cocaine level actions, let's talk about The Flash. Let's talk about Zencaster. Rob, what is Zencaster? Oh, that's a great question, Ben. Zencaster 
which we use to record Podcast X currently exclusively in audio form, is the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. It provides, as you know from listening, high-quality audio and video podcast production and hosting. With a full suite of professional tools, podcasters can seamlessly record, produce, and publish studio-quality content all from one dashboard in your browser. Being a creator like us has never been easier. Zencaster lets you do everything you need to podcast from recording to publishing all in one place. That all is very exciting, Rob. So Zencaster, if you want to sound your best, Zencaster's post-production process takes the headache out of audio production. A frequent problem that we run into is when we come on to this podcast to record, my levels are usually all messed up. With Zencaster, we're able to adjust loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a single click of the button. Back when we were recording the Screen Man Underground podcast, this was like a seven-step process for us. While Podcast X currently only has two hosts and one rotating chair as a special guest, Zencaster lets you record up to 11 participants. Think of it, all of Ben's girlfriends in one place. Coordinating all of these guests, 11 participants at once, has never been easier. Just one click. I will say, though, as the person who has to edit this podcast and cut everything together, my favorite part and the thing that saves our ass time and time again is that it's a cloud backup system. So while you're recording, it records backups to the cloud as well as locally, which if you know from listening to the podcast, Kofi unplugs his mic. We've had some issues in the past with Zencaster. Not a problem. To try this yourself, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use the code PODCASTX and you'll get 30% off your first three months with Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. That's Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use the code PODCASTX. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're hearing this podcast release week, this will be a full spoiler conversation about The Flash. So, you know, stop here, come back, check us out once uh, once you've seen the movie. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll just jump right into it. So last week we were we were all talking about this one, how we'd all seen this one. Um, Rob was at the CinemaCon presentation and Kofi and I caught it at, uh, at our press screenings and everything. Um. Now that we talk, now that we can talk spoilers about it, because I think we all kind of gave our impressions of it last week. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you guys want to start with this? Um, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I am wrong, but I think we all enjoyed it, and I think we all all impressed with Ezra's ability to play two characters and handle the, the emotional parts, but also do the complex comedy parts between two versions of Barry. Right. Um, yeah. What we can talk about now is kind of the big fucking craziness of the speed force and what the <laughs> what that led yeah. to keep in mind like you said ben i i have only seen the CinemaCon version it doesn't open here until tomorrow so the only thing i didn't say see is the very last bit when barry encounters bruce um yeah they cut there so I, I know it happens of course but they didn't reveal it in that version and they didn't show anything in the credits interesting so well yeah i don't, I don't think they showed can... anything in the credits for us either no, oh there okay. is a credit scene yeah, there is two, is, I thought. Oh, that's right. It's the Aquaman one. Yeah. 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 And I think yeah. there's a second one that's like funny or stupid or something like that, actually. I can't remember. Or maybe it's just a sound. No, I think Aquaman's the actually the last one. Yeah. I think it's because that uh, is sort of funny and stupid, that yeah. post credit scene. 
<clears throat> yeah, so... Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, we got Clooney who shows up. And uh, I guess I want to kick it off. Do you think... And this was something I have ready to run for tomorrow. It's just a kind of discussion piece. But uh, do you guys think that uh, this is... That Clooney... Would they go so far as to bring Clooney in for the Brave and the Bold? Or is this just the one-off last joke of the Snyderverse and it's just its own little spinning marble shelf and the DCU will be its own new other spinning marble shelf like the one we saw where some of the spaghetti strands are the same, but some of the spaghetti strands, like, you know, your Margot Robbie's of it all, but some spaghetti strands are different. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Quite the plot device they have to play with. Um, It's funny. I again, they didn't show us this, but we learned about it a couple of weeks later because, like, the, we, I think someone had confirmed one of the leaks or rumors. All this shit leaked online. It's kind of out of control now, especially this week uh, with footage leaking online. Um, had you asked me two months ago, I thought they left that open so in the future they could cast, and then this movie, like the end point, is the reset. Like, so Ezra continues as Barry, and they can decide who they want to keep and change going forward. But the way they kind of erased the Michael Keaton, uh, Sasha Supergirl universe and just like threw it away. I was like, Oh, they can just toss away anything. Who cares? And then change your minds afterwards. Um, I almost thought, and I was convincing myself that, Oh my gosh, they're going to have Christian Bale come back and Christian Bale will be the old, older Batman and brave and the bold. But (laughs) when they fucking, when they confirmed this, I was like, now I have no fucking clue. Um, I really don't know. Maybe this is her out to say, Oh, okay. This Barry, this universe truly is done. And um, Blue Beetle is the real start of it because James Gunn said on – you guys probably heard it in Michael Rosenbaum's podcast that you know Zolo's Blue Beetle is the first real character in the DCU, but Superman Legacy is going to be the first film in the DCU, which is kind of a weird mm. way to put it. So take that as you will. So what does that – yeah, what does that mean? I guess – it means I think that that version of Blue Beetle will continue as a character in in his universe, but but the first actual chapter or story from the film side will be Superman Legacy. I think Creature Commandos technically comes first, but it's a animated series or whatever, right? So okay. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's all confusing. It's very so, confusing. So okay, so I'm also now like <clears throat> I mean I assume it's kind of the it's almost like the Transformers thing we're talking about the first class thing where it's just like it is going to be whatever they want it to all be yep. like it's a it doesn't bowl seem of like spaghetti yeah exactly so <laughs> it just like none of it really like none of it really it's matters it's a great right? explanation for time travel it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's all I've been using ever since Michael That's Keaton in a bowl of spaghetti is all they needed to tell me about it's the greatest it. Hollywood explanation of time travel I should yeah. say <laughs> well it's the best one since the chalkboard of back to the future which is yeah. also ironic because they're shitting on the back to the future chalkboard in that scene yeah, because that's what he says. He's like, somebody probably told you that if you draw a line and then it becomes this other line, he's like, yeah, that's bullshit. He's like, this is it. Yeah, it's funny. The Back to the Future of this movie is just very, very funny because it like even just the way they're playing off of the uh, forget that guy's name, but the guy who's going to play Marty. I'm just completely spaced. Oh, yeah. Eric that's Stoltz. Right. Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz. That's right. Yeah. yeah like, that, the fact that, that gag that, you know, is one I, of the funniest gags in that whole movie. I forgot movie. how yeah, funny that was. That. 
Yeah. Yeah. He's got the tattoo on his leg and stuff like that. Like that was uh Oh yeah, that, no, that guy putting his leg oh yeah, we did talk about that <laughs> on uh comic book nation. That guy putting his leg straight up in the air was one of the most insane things I've seen in movies this year. <laughs> like, yeah. The John Wick. Like, I was funny. just like, oh I was like, that's very impressive, big man. Like, but please yeah. put your leg down. <laughs> <laughs> but it's upside down, is it? Yeah, yeah. I, forgot <laughs> I forgot that was all about Eric Stoltz. Yeah, that, that shit was funny. Yeah. That's mad fun. All those apartment scenes and gags are really fucking well done. Like they nailed the comedic beats on that. Yeah. Even when he like Barry cleans up the apartment and hides all that shit and it keeps like falling out of like the cupboards and the doors and stuff. Like yeah. really well done. Yeah. Yeah, when he falls like when he falls through to the apartment below and stuff was like was pretty, oh, yeah. pretty pretty great. One I didn't um, get the first time that the internet had to explain to me is um, when he meets Iris and they have a whole joke about didn't they run into each other last year? And that was just them ragging on the uh, two different cuts of Justice League where she was and wasn't in it. Oh, uh, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that either. I mean, I knew there was the version that she was in, but I hadn't picked up on the sort of meta of that either, for sure. Yeah, um, that was funny. So, yeah, I mean, I, we kind of gave our impression of a lot of the, you know, the characters and Keaton and everything, I think, in the last podcast. The, I do want to talk about the Speed Force stuff because that does seem to be one of the more divisive components of this movie is like, you know, whether it was too overly CGI, like how the film kind of ends because it's not like it's sort of anticlimactic in a way from, a, from an action standpoint because you have this kind of cool action sequence but it's it's sort of reversed and then they do another version of that action sequence and then it just kind of you know it's more about the emotional climax of like Barry in the speed force watching other Barry fu- you know with futility keeping I, going back and becoming more distorted and stuff like that I can I can say and I've said this on the other show like I really did enjoy the novelty of how they resolve conflict in this like yeah I think a lot of people are just don't still get it. Like all the last Jedi hate makes me think people don't understand truly. Like there are other ways of resolving conflict. Like, you know, people don't then, like a big explosion. You mean sort of, or just a big fight, like and beating yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. up. It's shit that I now, and I'm really sensitive to it because it's shit I have to do every day with a five-year-old boy. Now, like I have to explain <laughs> right. these kind of concepts, but um, like, yeah, Luke Skywalker won by not fighting. That's literally, what he did like the, the point. one time yeah. he, every every fight he just was had to surrender his feelings and just chill out for a minute like the first time it was to make a like to when to fire a shot which is probably the most violent thing he did and then the yeah. other times it was just like yeah i shouldn't be fighting these fights and by fighting these fights i'm kind of losing and like yeah. that's his whole fucking character and that's why it's stupid to think that he should have been like whipping out, like he even says, "What am I going to pick up a laser sword and like you know co save the day or some shit?" And it's like, yeah, that dude never did that. Mandalorian season two is the only time he's really, and the beginning of uh, Return of the Jedi, the only time that dude's effectively ever fucking won a battle on screen, really. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> that brings us back to the Flash. So I was really glad that even though we had to do the shit we always have to do in these movies. And I guess in comic books, which is just a reflection of the hero, whether it's a villain that's just Ironmonger or take your fucking pick of every other yeah. comic book movie. Wasp. And we get yeah, that. Not Wasp, but yeah. whatever. 
Abomination yeah, Hulk. Jacket. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah jacket. the whole, just everything, even Zod, Superman, like everything. Like it's just, it was good to see them because I didn't know who that Dark Flash was and how they were going to play that. I knew it was going to be Barry, but I didn't know the circumstance. And yeah. when it finally kind of came to view, and I got it early when he started putting shit in his arm, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, okay, I see where we're going with this." But like, the emotional core of this movie was what drew it drove it like flashpoints always about the fact that he wanted to save his mom. And I think this is better than the original story because even on the comic book page, because it actually does the real, the real conflict resolution and fight he has to do is not that whole dark flash shit. That's just the thing that teaches him why he has to go in and fight this last fight. It's in that supermarket where he, and he freezes time and he has to say goodbye to his mom and, and, and literally put her back in fucking death's path. That's the real shit that we all like yeah, were yeah. fucking crying about. And like, you know, and, and that's the shit he had to really kind of face. It was the emotional shit. So like, I, I liked the beats of, cause I'm sure I'm pretty sure we were all joking. Like they must've cut that shit like 10 times and like tried to figure out how to get the <laughs> fuck out of this movie. But yeah, personally, I thought all the footage of them like manipulating that battlefield is some of the most amazing shit I've seen. Cause that shit's not yeah. easy. And you, yeah, it might've been on another, like, like Rob said, like another meadow or field green screen field of genericness. But like it, those were complicated shots of them like fucking up the Kryptonians or trying to change this or trying to change that and doing it over and over again. Like I, I dug that inside the speed force. I think during our po- our comic book nation talk, we we referenced every fucking Robert Zemeckis fucking early <laughs> CGI film. Oh yeah, <laughs> fucking Polar Express, Beowulf, Christmas Carol. We were just going <laughs> down the fucking list. Final, I think even Final Fantasy Spirit Within might have gotten thrown in there once or twice. <laughs> like it was just like. Uh, if those were references, well done. If not, like I hope the finish when they show tomorrow is a lot more rendered or at least a little bit more rendered because yeah, that shit looks straight out of the uncanny Valley. Like, but I don't know if that was the point because it was like looking through realities or whatever, but like, or that's just going to be the company line. But yeah, that shit looked, I mean, there's some of this that looks bafflingly rough or just like the E trade babies in the beginning. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. Oh man. The e, yeah. The babies, the baby seed is <laughs> like very fun and very ridiculous, but like, I, yeah, I mean those, yeah, he trade babies is a good way of, of describing it. No, for we sure. tore, we do, like, uh, give it to the CB nation crew. We're always usually positive, but we tore the fuck out of that scene because it is an overwrought <laughs> and stupid way in like a blood, a budget blowing way to fucking start this movie. Like, yeah, yeah. If you think about the opening set piece of this movie, like how much of this budget went into just that? Like, yeah, for sure. And you already are getting like Gal Gadot, Ben Affleck, fucking Ezra Miller, speeding across an entire country. But you had to add this fucking whole thing with that baby sequence, which is so overwrought and intricate and CGI heavy. And it's just like, you didn't even need to put your, like, no pun intended. You didn't need to put yourself in that bad foot start 
like by yeah. having big people get have their eyes be that critical because what you're already doing look dope as shit and you're throwing a fucking mini justice league in the beginning of this like yeah just go with that like just go with that spend the money and have fucking jason momoa have like caught that caught somebody who fell still fell out of that van instead even though gal gadot caught it right like in her lasso yeah like, have him splash up on a fucking whale or whatever and knock the person back <laughs> up to the bridge. Like you could yeah. save yourself a whole thing and just have Barry speed around and catch falling debris or move people or something simple. Like what the fuck? Like, was that all about? And it was all for the fucking sake of a dog or just do the dog. I think is what we finally said was like, yeah, just do the dog. Right. If that's all you were really going to come back to at the end of the movie, just do the fucking dog everybody would have cheered anyway and cared more. It looks creepy now when you find out what everything Ezra Miller did, that he's having like babies in bedpans and putting them in microwaves. That shit just doesn't sit well yes. whatsoever <laughs> as a visual to anybody. That's a parent. I was just like, that doesn't make me feel good. Like, yeah. And if anybody's an eighties kids, like all I could think of was fucking gremlins. And I was like, please, why are you doing this? Yeah. Um, and it's just like the baby in the microwave was kind of weird. Like that's just yeah, like was, a disturbing. That's something you never, you never need to see that as a fucking yeah. visual. Like that, yeah. that doesn't conjure anything good ever. Yeah. And like, that was, just, yeah, that was weird. And it's just like, you, and if it was just all about the dog, just make a sequence of him doing whatever he had to do to save the fucking dog. You know why audience would cheers even harder than that? Because we live, we're all sociopath. We live in a sociopath fucking society where we could have seen any number of those babies drop it. You know, we would have spazzed out if the dog dropped. So if you just save the dog, you still would have like gotten the crowd on your side. Right. And you could have come back to it at the end still. So I don't know. It was a weird way to start because the rest of the movie that comes after that is much better and like less effects nuts and stuff like that. It's just a good back to the future story. So I don't know. Did uh yeah. So I kind of circling back to the like speed force stuff. I, so I kind of actually liked the visual effect of the theater and like kind of the advancing and layered, like, um, I mean, I know it was like really CGI'd and weird looking, but I actually kind of liked that as a visual effect when he's like running and he's like seeing kind of almost like this film kind of circling him and these different kind of things in 3D popping out. Like I actually sort of dug that just because it was like really unique looking. I was, I couldn't remember. That's like nothing from the actual comics though, right? Like that's entirely no. just a way that the movie is trying to visualize like how he would perceive all it's a kind of it's kind of a play on the cosmic treadmill which they smartly jettisoned so in like they're just using some physics theory instead of a cosmic treadmill that he's moving so fast that everything is just like relative around him because it's faster than the speed of light and so like yeah reality and time and space itself become relative to him and so the way they visualize it which is for better for worse is you know, we just see his motion just kind of, like you said, like we, we see it from the perception. I don't know, even know how to describe it. I can't describe yeah, it. Yeah, no, I mean, tag, but like, it, it's, no, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a cool th- audience visual to understand how he can comprehend and or whatever, observe different realities. And it's also really cool how they use that because it makes sense when he gets bumped out of reality into that version of the past because, like, no other way would make that really 
sensible from an audience perspective who haven't seen right. this version of the scene force, uh, sorry, speed force. I will say though, in my head, I'm like the one thing I, I think it works for this movie, but when you, when you're looking at it, it looks like there's a very specific subset of realities he's able to see, right? You see he's like eight or 12 or 15, you know, an exact amount around him with like layers going up in stadium seating. So that part was kind of interesting because it almost seems like there is a very specific web of realities, which is very different than the spaghetti theory. So, um, yeah, of I course, there's no easy way to, you know, design that from an audience perspective. But yeah. it just visually, it is a very different concept how they display the speed force versus how we understand how messy uh, the timelines yeah. really are. You know, so yeah, you know. no, I yeah, I dug all that, and then. As far as like the CGI of seeing like Christopher Reeve and and friggin' like Nicolas Cage, <laughs> I I mean I I definitely agree that that's you know I think you're right I think they're gonna say oh well you know we wanted it to be kind of hyper realistic because like you know he's seeing it and and whatever this is kind of from his perception peering through re- reality but I mean for sure it's just like you know there's uncanny valley stuff with recreating these people especially when they're not, you know, I don't know. They don't look like that anymore. I mean, you know, that's like de-aging Harrison Ford. You're de-aging Nicolas Cage here. You're recreating Christopher Reeve. I guess I assume that it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's like, I assume that's the issue here. It didn't bother me a ton just because I was excited to see Christopher Reeve and, I, I mean, in the Nicolas Cage thing, I just fucking loved because, you know, shout out to like, you know, the filmmakers behind the death of Superman lives, who was like, you know, kind of friend of the show, like that, that whole thing, knowing that story and having heard like Kevin Smith tell that story of the giant fucking spider that they wanted in there and how that spider ended up in wild, wild west when this movie <laughs> like fell apart, like getting to see that was such a fun moment for like someone who has been like immersed in DC's, you know, like especially Superman's kind of the many failed attempts at like bringing Superman to the big screen. So it just kind of, it just kind of worked for me. Like I was so in the moment, I wasn't looking at it kind of being like, Oh, well the CGI, you know, that doesn't really look fully like Nicolas Cage or anything. I just thought it was so fun. And like, it was just such a bold and ridiculous thing to do. It's a nice thought, and in some universe, Superman lives, lives, you know? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, but I understand the criticism. I mean, if, and I think it's one of those things, too, with this movie where there are probably, because it works in so many ways, like, there's so many things that, from a storytelling perspective, I think really, really work. Like, it's a well-told story. It has emotional stakes. It captures kind of the point of Flashpoint, like you were saying, and and the real, I guess, like challenge that he's sort of having to overcome in Flashpoint. It's not like some crazy villain. It's like his own, you know, like grief and stuff like that. Um, it nails all of that. And so I feel like people are kind of like looking at some of the CGI stuff kind of being like, well, this is this is the parts that are are kind of shitty. And it's like, I don't think audiences, though, are going to go in and be like, I didn't enjoy that Nicolas Cage cameo or something because it didn't look like Nicolas Cage or something. I think most people are going to be pretty wrapped up in that stuff and also probably have no fucking idea why they're seeing Nicolas Cage um, having not been aware of that. But It's going to be the best thing for Superman moves. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, but I, no, I mean, I, mean, I dug it. Maybe I'm more. I positive. dug it because it, I think people are also <laughs> the best. The biggest thing you're going to see, though, is not so much about how people feel about what we got. It's going to be what we didn't get because a lot of fans are going to say they fucked them on the whole Grant Gustin flash thing. Yeah, like, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Because they Ezra got to pop in his head into, into the, pop their head into the uh, Arrowverse, and yet Grant Gustin <laughs> did not get a chance to do shit in this movie when they easily yeah. could have done that. At some yeah, point. there's other there's other like notable not things that we get like we don't get to see Bale's Batman, we don't get to see like some of the other characters that. You know, you would like Val Kilmer's bat. Like, there's there's like, characters. People, I feel like people. I don't can be know like, why, why people this? are still smoking that shit. Like, you guys, they are never mixing the Nolan stuff with any of this other yeah, shit. For sure. Like, it's never happening. Like, yeah. people holding out hope for that. I don't know why. Nolan's yeah. stuff has never come, and none of the Nolan actors are gonna. I mean, I never say never because Hollywood <laughs> is full of whores, but you know, in, that, in the dump truck full of money. Which, by the way, we never get credited for coining that term. We literally coined that term on our podcast. Yeah, we were fucking true. arguing about Christian Bale, and it was about after the Dark Knight Rises. And I think <laughs> I was fucking first one to use that one, if I remember correctly. But I'm pretty sure we that's started correct, using yeah. it on the show all the time, and now everybody uses that. I've seen that in print in major places. And I'm like, you fuckers, like stole my goddamn shit oh my god yeah. so much theft i feel like little richard these yeah. days anyway um so like yeah you never you get you never sure with the dump truck full of money but like yeah none of the arrow like or none of the nolan verse people are gonna ever like pop up and do like killian murphy would have fucking done it by now he'd have been scarecrow and some shit like that, that yeah, shit's not sure. gonna happen yeah like no it's true they all did that thing and you know what it was it was a pretty okay trilogy after all things said and done yeah yeah for sure no i mean it, i i definitely agree um okay well anything else you guys want to say about that no i'll say one more thing i um the timing of this movie given what's happening with the franchise like this movie is so much better than it deserves to be for a million and one reasons right <laughs> like we covered it ourselves years ago like the roster of directors and writers they went through. And at one point we heard like they were had like eight different scripts in development, just craziness. At one point Ezra and what was it? Grant Morrison or something were trying to take over the script just to keep the project going. Um, it's been insane. Plus all the franchise upheaval, this, you know, how this movie was first announced. And now like it's finally happens <laughs> minus Ray Fisher. The first flash movie ever happens to be this crazy flashpoint nonsense. And then uh, it's already pre-planned to be reset. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's the most expensive, most long in development lame duck movie in the history of Hollywood, which is fucking hilarious. So yeah. uh, Dude, I just remember all the days we were writing like five reasons the flash movie could be really awesome and shit like that back in the days when, God damn, that was the 2010s. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. The, um, yeah, so I am, maybe you guys know, and I, I don't, and then we can kind of, we can probably just sort of, you know, like end this conversation. But the, like, Aquaman is still out there, Aquaman 2. And. <laughs> Like this oh, movie oh. makes it clear you said that the Aquaman- most expensive lame duck. I think we spoke yeah. too soon. 
Yeah, that's true. That so like that movie's coming out, and like you know, we kind of get confirmation at the end of this movie that Aquaman, as we know him, is in like this you know reset universe or whatever. At least that the Flash exists in. You know whether or not that carries over to to like what Gunn is doing and stuff. You know TBD, but like where the fuck is this gonna like i still just don't understand how like they have a flashpoint movie that could have reset everything and then we have an aquaman movie that's just gonna be like this weird vestigial thing that's just like stuck on at the end i still like i mean maybe i'm just like maybe there's no answer to this but it's like i I can't see also shazam too yeah well yeah i mean yeah it's true so, what's your question, Ben? That you're asking, like, is Momoa yeah, like, like, yeah? I mean, I'm stumbling through it because I'm just trying to like make sense of it. But yeah, I mean, the question is like, I guess, I mean, I guess they, I guess the post credit scene answers the question, which is just like, yeah, I mean, he's back, and yeah, they're not gonna, you, this is not gonna happen before me, this movie or anything like that. Benny, it's getting late. Let me answer your question. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> Unless they put up something on that screen. That makes me more wowed than like Avatar 2 or fucking Spider-Verse or something else I've seen this year up until that point. I'll see you on HBO Max, okay? Or now Max, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's been that kind of year. I'll see you on Max, all right? Because there's going to be no fucking reason in the world why I need to see this shit otherwise. Unless you show me something visually spectacular or you tell me something wild about why this is somehow like a new DCU version of Aquaman, which I know you're already lying about because I know how this movie was made, but yeah. Yeah. So unless, yeah, it's either going to be a spectacle I got to see, or I'll see you on Mac streaming. What a weird, yeah. <sighs> um, this harkens back to what you're asking about earlier, about like we're talking about the spaghetti theory of it all, and then what James Gunn's yeah. universe really means. It's there's there's a conflicting thing. So we asked this at the back in January when we went to the Warner Brothers lot, and Peter Safran and James Gunn were doing their little intro and showed us the first half of Chapter One. They're not using phases, the chapters uh, of the of their DCU. And before that, they of course had met with all the actors, and Peter Safran said there at that event that. It's weird how he phrased it, but he said Jason Momoa always envisioned or sees this as a trilogy. And then like a month or two later, when I can't remember if he's promoting Fast X or some other Apple thing or whatever, Momoa said himself, he's like, yeah, I'm playing Aquaman. Ain't <laughs> I quote, ain't no one taking shit. Uh, but then he also said he can play other characters too. And I'm like, and of course that harkens back to all of the Lobo rumors and all the comics. But it's just confusing because James Gunn, James Gunn said – no actors playing two characters in this universe. And it's like, well, wait, so which is it? Is this guy playing Aquaman for in your universe going forward, which Safran and Momoa seem to say, or is Aquaman 2 somehow the end and there's no Aquaman or you're going to recast? It doesn't make any sense. So I yeah. feel like this is kind of like the Flash situation. I, I feel like Momoa is probably just going to keep playing Aquaman, but it'll just be very different after this movie. And uh, I agree with Kofi, Aquaman 2 looks like absolute dog shit. But uh I'll see it for this podcast. Did you you saw that at, at CinemaCon? Like the yeah, yeah. They there? showed they showed five. Remember, I called it like a wet aquatic fart, and no one gave a shit. It was <laughs> yeah. like it's just complete. 
Yeah. Do we even know like who the villain of that is going to be? Well, yeah, it's it's Black Manta, and he has a new powerful trident. Okay. That's the villain. Well, at least in the footage, the extended trailer we saw, that was it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I knew Black Manta was back. I just didn't know if there was some like it's him with wow. the new suit and a MacGuffin weapon. As far as we know, yeah, yeah, is and, not having a good year. Yeah. Ooh, um, okay, well, anything, anything else you guys want to say about this? Um, um yeah, Blue Beetle. Shout coming. out to Michael <laughs> Shannon for coming back. Yeah, and getting yeah, Blue that Beetle was cool. That was cool. And seeing like Anator back as like whatever yeah fair no it's uh no not anna torv yeah what anna it's what was her name anta, 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 oh, i can't pronounce that from, butchering yeah. it oh man from one of pand remember we did that movie uh pandorum like we that was yeah. her breakout role we yeah. fucking covered the shit out of that movie oh yeah God. back in the day all these trial, that's, were right. that's what it was yeah yeah, that's well, she was just a whippersnapper. All these actors. Yeah, <clears throat> ten years ago, as of what yesterday, I Ginger Man of Steel came out. She, dude, I remember I was on set for Seventh Son with, and she was in that movie as like one of the witch sisters or something like that. And she was supposed to do interviews with us, and she was like super sick in her trailer the entire time. She came out and like said hello to us, and then just like disappeared back into her trailer. But I remember hey. Dice was like super disappointed about it because he like was so in love with her like fate portrayal of Feora and stuff and wanted me to like ask her a million questions about it and everything. What uh, you you can read, I was going to say, you can read about that stuff. Is it on screen man? Right. Ben? Yeah. Seventh son. Did I ever publish that? I don't even know. If I ever no, because it. it got dumped. It went from what universal yeah. to Warner brothers. And they never, they never let us like the PR team. Was, they never let us write it. Like, which I have like three of those now. Um, I, I linked back the other day to, uh, to uh, Amy Nicholson's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger tank interview story. <laughs> oh, I'm so they jealous! They made that into that because they made that into that Netflix commercial. Oh, did like, it really? Freaking out! Oh yeah, like yeah, to announce him as the chief like creative action officer with the that's right. He has yeah, he like drives up in his tank and he like drives the commercial is he's outside Netflix and he drives over somebody's like Mercedes in the parking <laughs> spot and he like parks a tank. I, uh, this shit isn't new. <laughs> I interviewed him in December for like the world of tanks game. Cause he's like in a, you know, promotion. They use him cause he has a real tank. Right. And I asked him if he still has that thing. He's like, yeah, I still drive it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. He's like 90 yeah, still owns his like Austrian tank from fucking yeah. seven years ago. <laughs> that's, crazy. that's awesome. Yeah. It looks like you're right. It looks like I never had to write that up. So that was a free trip to Vancouver, I guess. <laughs> I, I had that too. I went to Vancouver to, like mo- two months before the pandemic, and that, that January, uh, I went there for. Uh, I forget if we talked about this. It was like Hulu's um, help. What the hell is it called? He- I just drawn a complete blank. Hellstrom. That's it. Yeah, it was like right after the canceled Ghost Rider and the other one. So it was, you know, you kind of knew where that was going, and God, Marvel was restructuring that real quick. Um, I was going to write an article. They never, of course, they never let us write anything about it. But I was going to write an article saying I saw a penis on a Marvel set 
because they had a cadaver there what? from the supernatural when they brought it around. And it was, and the guy's like, look, he's got full anatomy. And he unzipped it. And there's big <laughs> fucking dog. And uh, like half people are like, like the publicists were all like, everyone was super awkward. And I just like turned around and fucking laughed because someone I thought was going to write about it. Um, and that's, it would have been me. That's oh, funny. That's <laughs> fucking oh, that's nuts. funny. Yeah, that's my headline. I saw a dick on a Marvel set, and like everyone would have been so angry with me. <laughs> <laughs> I still may that's do that. Funny. Yeah, uh, yeah, that goes that in your memoir. Um, yeah, okay, well, we can, I guess we can wrap <laughs> yeah. that up. Do you, Secret Invasion's really great. I think we all liked it. It's, like, I don't know. it's too late to, to get into our preview of Secret Invasion, I think. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. No, you know, it's never just, been a Marvel set no, since just, then. Yeah, do we see anything in this Marvel show? So we sure let people know. I mean, episode the end of episode two kind of i thought so yeah yeah i mean yeah, yeah. So, um, I about to. um no i mean let's just give some quick reactions i think um I, i'm really interested to see where this show goes after two episodes like i think episode one is really good fucking like some good spy espionage thriller action there was a lot of like tension and kind of like keeps you guessing about who's who and what's what until some real shit happens and you at the, by the end you're like oh shit this this show actually has like real fucking stakes and consequences like this is not a joke but uh, I thought episode two was a lot more slow burn and kind of slower yeah. but yeah. it was but it was also kind of showcasing I noticed because I look back through it again and like episode two is a lot more just scenes showcasing each of the like major acting talents that they have pulled into this show. Yeah. Um, and so you get like a really great sequence with like Olivia Coleman. You get, you have these really great sequences with uh, Sam Jackson. I think, does he see, uh, yeah. he sees a uh, roadie. He is that the, yeah. In episode two, he sees Rhodey. Yeah, it's like Don Cheadle. Yeah. So like, there are all these great character scenes and, and Oh yeah. And then that's like Ben Mendelsohn and Olivia and Olivia, uh, Amelia Clark. So like, you have a lot of great, character scenes in in episode two that show you like these actors are like like i said on twitter are here to cook and like but it's definitely slower so it's kind of like i'm kind of curious to see how all of these episodes unfold and i made the argument and i will throw this grenade out here that i think this might have been a good because echo was echo is going to be like the first like real marvel binge watch one right when it gets yeah, dumping on all at once, yeah. I could have actually taken this arguably as a binge watch, so I'll just throw that out there. You're right though, yeah. because it's not, it, it's not because it's a slower burn type storytelling, and, and it is to its credit. Like it, it, we needed this. It's so refreshing to see this from virtually anything on Disney Plus. Really, it's like of like letting people, <laughs> super talented actors, sit on a real set and fucking talk. And do yeah. their thing, like like I Ben Mendelsohn and Sam L. I think are one of the greatest pairings in like in, in like superhero movies in general. And like having them just do anything, and their bond is just so fucking awesome. And then you have Olivia Coleman comes out of nowhere, and it's like the absolute scene stealer. Um, what a great character! Olivia Coleman in the show is like doing what like Julia Louise Dreyfus is like trying to do with the Valentino Allegra oh, good thing, call. and it's like this is like 
it's like weird kind of power person that's like working in the shadows and is like maybe good, maybe bad. Like she's doing it in this and it's like, it works a thousand times better than what um, Julia Louise Dreyfus is doing. I, every time you like, and I love Julia Louise Dreyfus in a lot of things, especially Veep and, and Seinfeld and stuff. But like every time she's on that, in a Marvel show, it just like takes me immediately out of it. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Well, yeah, and they got. Well, I just think it. she doesn't really kind of take it seriously. I don't think she. Yeah, no, for sure. The drum, dramatic side of it, whereas Olivia Coleman can like make anything. Yeah, dramatic, yeah for sure. like she can. Be- she she actually can like find something to believe in 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 all this, yeah. and already like. Is there, where is the, I forget how she phrases it for like trapdoor or escape hatch. Like, where's the escape hatch in here? Like, it's like already one of my yeah, new yeah. favorite phases. Like, ever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. all right. I kind of have a feeling I'll be needing it. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, oh, yeah, her character's fucking so great. So, yeah. Yeah. And really. like you said, like, I mean, just all the pairings are great. Like, her and Sam Jackson and their banter is fucking great. And Mendelssohn and Sam Jackson are always surprisingly good. Like that's, you know, like the train with the two of them. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, Mendelssohn and Amelia Clark, uh, Jackson. And what's his, uh, I forget the uh, villain actor's name. Uh, it's, I'm going to butcher it, but oh, yeah. he's really good. So, I mean, I'm just looking to see, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that, but I'm also looking forward to, cause when they do some action, espionage shit like it is pretty exciting and so yeah. i'm hoping we get uh some more of that as well so oh kingsley yeah, yeah kingsley benadir is uh yeah kingsley benadir. man he's yeah. great that first the end of that first episode with him is like yeah i don't know i mean you know we're not doing spoilers but that like, <laughs> like cements himself yeah. as one of the like most like badass dudes on yeah, at least on Disney Plus, <laughs> a formidable antagonist. I just hope yeah. it doesn't get too goofy. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny because, like, you know, given the Marvel of it all, like, the most annoying bits are when like Sam Jackson has to name drop the Avengers or see some joy. There's a lot of like, totally. you know, obviously they have to do that, but it's like we'll it, call our friends. It, yeah, this is the first show where they could have gotten away from that a little bit, but they, but they uh, of still course have, they have to, do. to. Like, it's so yeah. given the nature of the scrolls, it's so intricate to like. Marvel lore and the MCU, and, and I'm very curious where this goes, like long term, given some of the, again, no spoilers, but there's some big swings in the first episode, and it's like I'm very curious yeah. what that leads to uh, when it comes to the larger franchise plans. So yeah. um, it's exciting; it's something different, you know. Yeah. Okay. So I well, no, I mean it's more of a spoiler, so I won't, we won't <laughs> talk about it. But it's like there's kind of like a weird thing around the Avengers that like the reason that they explain that they can't come around. And like, I didn't really understand that, but I, we can talk about that after the podcast. Or, I mean, you know, I got it. I about. mean, and this is always a thing for every Marvel project from Eternals to everything is like, now, why don't you just bring in the Avengers? And yeah. basically they just to finagle it and not give any direct spoilers. The reasoning is, is basically like shit gets really messy when the scrolls then have the Avengers as imitatable targets and, like I get that. And like, I mean, that's a good enough while you and I might question the logic. I think the important part for me is that I don't question that the characters having these discussions believe that shit. Yeah. I guess like, that's true. It, it, 
it's with funny. the Avengers. Was, okay, so this is, I guess, the question. If the Avengers showed up, they wouldn't be able to like copy their powers and stuff, though, right? By being near them or something. No, nah, but they would maybe just, just super scroll out there. Who knows? You know? Yeah. 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 All those also, well, I don't that, believe yeah, yeah. the great thing about this show is you can't always believe everything Fury says directly in that face value either. Totally. Like, yeah, I, I don't, know for sure. I, I think like he also just he wants. He feels like this is his battle and shit too, and he wants. Yeah, to clean but it up I still think he yeah. knows a lot more, and it's just like. Yeah. He knows that, like, the danger is. I think he knows that they could conceivably, if not the powers, which they could probably fake, like, they could just effectively replace some of them if they yeah. started bringing in too many around. It, like, yeah. I wish I had more information. Because so today we did the, well, last night was the premiere for Secret Invasion, which is why we're able to talk about it now because the reactions went live last night. And today is the junket. And the rules going in saying, they said, you know, you, you can't ask any spoilers. Everyone's been instructed to just fucking avoid your question. Yes, you ask any spoilers. <laughs> um, but still, I am curious about like when they start planning this. Because we, we talked, one of the people we spoke to is the director. And it's like when they're planning this out, you obviously have to be very you know, choosing what you're sort of adapting from any scroll story from the comics, let alone Secret Invasion. But I also wonder when it comes to Kevin Feige and the Marvel Studios of it all, like, is there like a laundry list of characters you just cannot touch for all the reasons we're saying? Like, right? And but but the larger implication now is like, given that we're finally exploring scrolls on Earth, like, what does that mean for every future story? Like, how, is there any way they wrap this six episode miniseries up so tightly? that every story we see afterwards isn't us questioning who is who, you know what I mean? Like yeah, sure. it's very yeah. tough plot device to kind of toss in at this point, especially as we're trying to tell some super messy multiverse story. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very weird timing for me. Uh, so that, that's the bigger question I have once we see uh, all six, which speaks to Kofi's point. I really wish we could just binge this. So I understand, but um, I guess we'll find out soon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, none of this is like really spoilers. It's just kind of like the setup of the show. But that was that was one of the things where I was just like, what? Are, like, I guess you know, like I guess I buy that argument. But I think you're, yeah. I mean, I think you're both right about the motivations of the characters and stuff being like, you know, unreliable and everything as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. I want to talk spoilers about that at some point with you guys because there's some crazy there's some crazy stuff that happens in the show that means like some characters will not be coming back, and I'm. I'm curious kind of like what that means in a lot of, in a lot of ways. So like what's real, what's not, what am I seeing? What am I actually seeing? That's it. Right. But I mean, I was a huge Battlestar Galactic. I love these things of like, you know, there's only this, (laughs) you know, there's so many of us and people can, you know, we're going to reveal people like along the way. And if there are characters that they reveal along the way, that turn out to be scrolls that are like meaningful character reveals. That'll be quite interesting. Uh, it, it's it's it's. I mean, obviously the Cylons. They are the that's the faction they're dealing with or surviving against. The entire yeah. story battle class of Battle is surviving the Cylon threat, right? And, and, yeah. and that insurgents. Yeah. But like, and this is the opposite. We are thirty fucking movies in, and there's like, oh yeah, remember the scrolls from thirty years ago? Yeah. We haven't seen or touched talked about them at all. Hey, remember Carol yeah. Danvers in the nineties? Yeah, she, yeah, she's gone. It's like what? Man, that's so, like, that does stand out in this show. And like, whenever Fury's talking about like, oh, you know, like. Carol Danvers and I were going to do this thing and stuff like, it's like, so you guys it does feel like, what the fuck have you guys been doing? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It definitely, definitely stands out, but all right. Well, uh, yeah, but I mean, people should totally check it out. It's uh, I, I mean, I really, I definitely enjoyed it. I think it, it does have that even down to like some of the characters in the world just being kind of weird. Like 
some of the henchmen and stuff like that, they feel very much like something you would see straight out of a Mission Impossible movie. Like a little bit twisted on reality, but in a fun sure, way. Sure. Like that I think I think they really kind of nailed the tone, which makes a big difference for something like this. Um, yeah. So all right, I just well, got so many more questions about the fucking Marvels now. That's what I got questions about. Yeah, for right? sure. I mean Yeah. I mean, I that's what I was kind of wondering is if like this is gonna like can even like serve as some kind of lead into that because I mean they name drop Carol Danvers like 50 times in these first two episodes. Like if she doesn't show up in this by the end, it's going to feel weird, but I don't know why she would, because like then it really wouldn't be like an espionage story. It's like, she's going to like suck all the oxygen out of anything. It's also like, you know, for what it is, it's like, it's not cosmic at all. Like even, yeah, even totally. I mean, last time we saw Fury is on a space station, but obviously this show is not on a space station. It's all yeah, this yeah, earth exactly. espionage yeah. stuff. So even yeah. that they're kind of like dodging a big stuff story thread they gotta yeah. delve into at some point so yeah um yeah very yeah. weird all right well that'll do it for this week's episode um you know you know where to find us i'm ben kendrick you can follow me on twitter at ben kendrick <coughs> i'm on all the other socials like you know you on that mastodon you on that spoutable i'm there um you can check out what i'm doing over at static media we run looper and slash film and a bunch of cooking sites mr rob keys do you post to Mastodon? No, but I mean, I'm on there if people want to follow me. I actually have been oh. posting something to Spoutable. I've been posting my movie because I'm I'm backing that horse as the thing that might, once it's kind of like fully going. Spoutable. Could, okay. Yeah, Spoutable. Yeah. What about Blue Sky? Well, Blue Sky, thing? yeah, Blue Sky is interesting because that's the old Twitter guys. Like I could see that. But oh, is I haven't it? Done I, that yeah. I just, this is so much effort. I can barely keep up with one. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Rob underscore keys, S K E Y E S. And I guess I'm, what other one do I use? I guess I'm failcube on Instagram, which I sometimes yeah. post to. You on the Twitch? No, I not actually this year, not at all, really. Yeah. No time. Never mind. Forget it. One day. Special guest, Kofi Outlaw. You can find my work over at comicbook.com. You can also find me hosting the hopefully award-winning Comic Book Nation podcast, which I clean up my act from the what you just heard here and put on a show about all things geek culture. So check me out in both places. Get a double dose. Oh, yeah. Of me <laughs> and your life. So there you go. And you can find me online at Kofi Outlaw because that is my real name. Yeah, Emma Stone. Emma Stone endorsed, real name. And then we both named our daughters the same. So you tell me what really? fate is, you know? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I named my daughter Emily Jean and her grand after her two grandmothers, and she named her daughter Jean Emily after her grandmother. That's cool. Oh yeah, yeah the that's next interesting. interview is gonna be Shit, we should invite her on the podcast. Gonna be, yeah. The next interview is gonna be real lit. Yeah. I'm going to bring the old video and I'm going to be like, follow up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Kismet. Um, That'll do it for this week's episode. If you haven't reviewed the podcast, please do. It helps us spread word about the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Um, I don't know. Like, I I mean, we've covered the flash, which is kind of the big thing next week. So maybe we take a week off next week. We'll sort of see what we're all up to. But uh, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm uh, to my first vacation of the 
beer next week. So I'll be off anyways at a cottage for a couple of days. And then so maybe yeah, so it might next be, week. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be a couple of weeks for, before you hear from us again. Um, Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny. My voice is like failing me. At the you got to breathe, podcast. my man. <laughs> we got Star yeah. Trek Strange New World, Silo, Fanatic. You guys need to watch Silo and Apple. I do need to watch show. Silo. I do need to watch Silo. I know you've you've told me it's like built for well, me. Well, yeah, so. I, I've been in I was holding on to the season two. They're already shooting season two and they're like, don't tell anyone. And they finally announced it this week, but um it's I'm glad they're confident in it, you know. So yeah. Oh awesome. no. Oh, I forgot it's more personal. Her name she named Emma Stone named her daughter uh Jean Louise after her grandmother, but she is aptly named after her grandmother and her name is Emily Jean Stone. Oh. So I did not know that before I named my daughter after her two grandmothers, Emily Jean. So I can't wait for you to interview her and have this try and cycle through this conversation with her. Man, we got to cut this podcast right here. I got to go. <laughs> All, right. All right, man. That'll do it. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks.